Welcome back to another edition of the Para Podcast. This week I am joined by... Hey, how's it going? Um, 40. Hey, fellas, I'm back. And him. And I'm still here. Just, yeah. just barely. We're all holding on. Hanging uh, in there. Birdie's car's decided to, to off itself <laughs> um, in protest of that, that performance last Friday. It's my luck. After, <laughs> after I got it registered, it decides to blow up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you got a, a pin, uh, dodgy pink slip for it. No, no, no. The guy's <laughs> reputable. You know, he uh, he sells um, what do you call those Asian pork rolls on the side? So, yeah, it's <laughs> on me. <laughs> uh, what, what, the what mechanic pork roll camera? racket. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I know we want to filibuster about, but let's dive straight into it. Uh, Friday night, first grade, Eels 16 to the Knights 18. Try scorers, Vave, Moses, Norman, Gutho, two from three conversions. Uh, again, from the boot, let us down. Uh, again, a penalty goal winning. And for the eighth time this season, we've scored the same amount of tries as our opposition and lost. That Gutherson conversion. Um, uh, as, as much as that might sound like we're pretty close, we, we are just so far away from what, what we should be at the moment. Um... Yeah, I guess we'll I'll let you guys jump in first. <laughs> guess we start off with the negatives and finish with the positives. Then, uh, you know that the um, first, or the, I should say, the twenty-five minutes um, from fifteen to half time, I I don't know what was going on there. We just weren't completing sets, and I think we finished the um, first half with about fifty-three or fifty-nine percent possession or something. You can't not possession um, completion. completion rates. You can't, you know. You can't do that, and but then you look at, you know, fifty-nine percent completion. Yeah, we had double the running meters, double the line breaks, double the tackle breaks. Um, you know, we scored. Was I can't remember the halftime score now, um, but we're dominating them every single other facet of the game, but completions, and that's what killed us. Yeah, when we held onto the ball in the first half, we just ran right through the, the nights. So we're making like fifty to sixty meters a set, and you know, get into great position, and then just. After that, we just switched off and switched off really badly. Uh, crumbled. We dead set could have put fifty on the Knights. That's yeah. how soft that Vave try was. Mm-hmm. Plus, when when Hayne came out and did some of that vintage running that we've seen him do previously, uh, completely split the the Knights on that right edge. And of course, uh, French does like to put a kick in, but this one paid off. And Moses did well to to hang on to it and bring it down to ground and score that try. Um, but Newcastle, they they had absolutely nothing until we let them have the ball. We turned it over. I think there was about four sets in a row where we handed the ball over, and then uh, one whilst we were in possession from that Nathan Brown play the ball. Uh, key key thing, never give the uh, opposition ball when you've got it. And on, uh, that, on that note, unfortunately, Brown kept doing it. I don't know if you guys caught it, but he kept not using his foot and was lucky not to be pulled up another two or three times. Don't understand and that. The- like, you were, to- you were told at the start of the season... That this is going to happen. This is going to. This is going to be. There's going to be a crackdown on the play of the ball, and obviously they are. They have let loose a little bit, but they're still penalising ones that are very, very obvious. You know, um, what should happen is the next day for the next week at training, you turn up an hour early, and you all you do Just for that hour is play the ball, and soon and soon they won't be doing it. Well, the word is from the Souths off season. All they were doing for the majority of preseason was catch and pass plays. That's it. Catch, pass, play the ball, um, run up field, get to the ground, play the ball, catch, pass, catch, pass, catch, pass. That's it. And look how much it's played off. And like I know we've said before, it was great that the the club wanted to uh, try something different with Lachlan Wilmot, but changing our running style, what, what what's that done this year? Yeah. It's done absolute yeah. zilch on the field. Yeah, um, um, missed missed uh, the mark there, didn't it? Uh, unfortunately, Friday night was a case of two of our real stalwarts from last season had their worst games in long times. We mentioned Brown before, but Quentin Gufferson had a real shocker in the, the custodial role. He um, shanked a, a throw of a kick from the about, what, five, five, ten metres to the right of the posts, and that ended up being crucial with that two-point deficit. And then the try was probably a little bit harsher because that took a real nasty bounce at the end, and there was probably a little bit of contention as to whether the ball was grounded by Connor Watson because I thought it separated from his hand after the initial touch, which the initial touch doesn't need um, control. It can just have downward pressure if you have an under possession. But I thought it separated for a split second, which means you then need control. But that's um, you know semantics, I suppose. Yeah. 
fact, I, I thought it was a high shot, but anyway. Yes, yeah, you actually, you're right, Ham. That should have been a high shot, but because it was missed, I think it would have to be on report. Is that right? The, does the video ref have that when it's referring? Yeah, yeah. it'd have to be a reportable offence. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, so in that case, it was, it was it wasn't reportable, but it was definitely. Yeah. I reckon the players, um, they feel like I reckon we're lacking leadership in terms of they're not scared if they're gonna do an error or slack off. Like Gufferson's a great captain, like, but he's like one of the boys, you know. Like we need a player like an Arthur Beatson, like a top player, or James Graham, someone where if he walked in, like you'll be scared to do anything wrong because you're scared he'll give you a clip over the head, you know. I don't know about that, Bertie, because Gufferson's been picked up on the sideline mic a few times this year, and he has absolutely sprayed the mob at, like, all of them, like, dropping F-bombs and, you know, revving them up. I, I think it's a case of, I mean, 60s blogged this on TCT yesterday, but we've almost got the yips. You know, you talk about golf and all the other sports, we've got the footballing yips, and it's sort of infected to everyone, and it's a different person every week. We've got a couple of guys that have struggled for large parts of the season, but you know, you, you point fingers at different people every week and it's a different reason. You know, against the Dragons, you had Will Smith doing some stupid stuff. Last week on Friday, you had Brown and Gufferson doing a couple of silly things. But it's not all in the same category and it just seems to be a case of things are going wrong and no one can figure out why they've gone wrong inside the inside the team and it just sort of keeps spiraling out of control. And I just want to... well highlight or possibly low light one player uh, that Mitchell Pierce try Brad Takarangi mm. um, give yourself a triple um, that is a sackable offence in yeah. my that's on your goal um, line what disgusting. are you thinking to race out of the line under the posts you gave your outside men and your inside men no chance Oh, um, and that was the key difference in that game and you know I know anybody listening the commentators rap Pierce bloody from here to you'd think he was uh, Delhi M form and he just won New South Wales and Origin Series um, but uh, the key difference between our halves, uh, all Pierce had to do was kick long, pin us in our half, and then we'd give the ball back. Um, as simple as that. Errors, and then uh, we didn't. Uh, Newcastle hardly had to get the ball out of their own end all night because um, we'd give away some sort of stupid penalty yeah, the, in their in their twenty meter. The start um, of our zone. second half, when we were coming out of our half, I think we lost the ball five or six times inside our own forty, and you could just see that it was building up to a Newcastle try. Just. Yeah, it was really painful offloads football. as well, man. Like Takaranga gave her, had a couple offloads where he's going to going to ground and he wants to offload the ball, like keep the play alive. It's just no one's no. I, I just think they're it's someone's turn each week to screw it up for us, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, next week it could be fucking who knows anyone. <laughs> you you think back to what the Knights fraud us, and did any player really stand out? Like no. I. I we're dominating of... the meters. Um, yeah. I saw someone posted on the halftime of the Discord. We're dominating the meters game, but it just we just kept dropping the ball, errors and penalties, you know. And unfortunately, this all coincided with you know the most sparkling game from Jared Hayne in some time. So it was you know vintage 2010-2013 era Jared trying to carry the team to victory. Also, I'm not sure how it looked on. Um... Oh yeah, fantastic from Jared. You know that's. Yeah, it reminds you of um, when we're going through those dark periods where we're getting the spoon regularly and Hayne was really the only player turning up. Um, I was just going to say on TV, I'm not sure, because at the game, uh, I missed the first penalty because the stupid woman was standing in front of me um, <laughs> looking for a seat and then she told me to F off. So I don't know <laughs> what happened there. Um, but So they got their two penalties in the first 10 minutes, say. Then for 70 minutes after that, they were perfect. They were perfect, yeah. yeah. Like, Classic. Did, Once well, again... It, it didn't seem to be any different to what they were doing. I'd, they would they send me laying on us in the ruck. We don't. We obviously don't pressure the opposition to uh, get them off. But sometimes yeah, it was just like... It was ridiculous. And we had eight penalties against us. That's... Yeah, uh, only six. Six. Six through, so. six. It was six through. Two penalties, two penalties that we got in the first four minutes, I believe, if I recall, the, um, the sheet. And after that, there was a sixty-minute-plus period of where they they um didn't concede a penalty. So yeah, I, I'd be more upset about penalties if it wasn't for our own ineptness that buried us in this match. It's, it un- it's an year. unfortunate issue where the officiating against us is pretty ordinary, but you can't blame it by the same token because, like you said, Hamish, we are our own worst enemy. And as the joke has been made multiple times on the net, that uh, little gif of um of Cameron King punching himself in the face really sums up our season. 
Yeah, shout out to Mitch for that one. <laughs> <laughs> He'll probably see, murder us if we don't if shout don't, him out if, for if it. If he's not complaining about the referees, you're not going to expect if we ignore it, it's going to change because we've been ignoring it for how long? Yeah, like, I, he's I Brad Arthur doesn't blow up. Look at Trent Barrett. He had a go at the referees. And like, how many times Brad Arthur's blown up? No, nothing. Like, we keep ignoring it. It's not going to change. We have to we have to do something. You can't expect nothing to change. It's just like Lotto. You've got to buy a ticket to win it. Well, if you want to win a penalty can, you've got to blast the referees. That's what I reckon. Put that one on the record, guys. It's just like <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> it's just I, like I, I still I still think that, you know, every team is arguing, saying they were, they were done uh, wrong about referees. And I think we could just say ourselves lucky we... we we weren't on the end of a howler on the weekend after that decision uh, for the oh Titans and Roosters. Um, I yeah. just, I, I can't understand that. Wow. That made that made me shut down my brain. That was so bad. Yes. Um. All right. Let's just run through a couple of stats. Newcastle, eighty-seven percent completion rate. Us, seventy percent. Uh, we had twenty-six sets to Newcastle's thirty-four completed. Uh, all runs. We had more runs. One eighty-four more run metres, uh, beat them by about 200 metres, more post-contact metres, five line breaks to two, 33 tackle breaks to 30. Our average set distance was almost 50 metres, kick return metres, 168 metres. Uh, slower, play the ball speed, six offloads to three. Um, then you're looking at kicks, 20 to 23. Newcastle only outkicked us by about 70 metres, and we forced three line dropouts to Newcastle's one. Um, so you're having a look at all game? those stats. Oh, it should be an Eels win, oh, and especially God. in that last 15 minutes, we had multiple chances to score tries, oh, but that... we kept coming up with the wrong option every single Moses, time. It Moses was so probably frustrating. Had a, Moses probably had a worse game on the balance of things, but that Corey Norman decision not to do anything on the last tackle and oh. just run at the line—like, what happens? How how do you do that, man? Like, how does your brain shut down so much that you don't run like hard? kick or pass. He just went to the line and took a tackle. And so negative play, 13 errors to 9, and of course 6 penalties to 3, but should be noted play at night's home, so you're always going to get the hometown run of the green. So That's the um, thing, like, you say he ran to the line and everything. Sorry, sorry to cut in there, Hamish. All he had to do was give early ball to Jared Hayne, who was absolutely carving them up on the left-hand side. They couldn't touch him. Yeah, And, you know, that that's all we had to do inside the opposition 20, and I know it's all oh, your pass to Jared Hayne meme, but it was working. <laughs> yeah, we didn't do it. The right edge of the Knights had nothing to answer him. So another frustrating loss. Um, more same same for this squad. Uh, really frustrating given the last two games before that 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 sort of been in the con- contest at least. Um, but uh, capitulation, um, and it's left if they don't want the wooden spoon. Uh, winning this weekend. Uh, is a must. And the other bit of fallout out of that game is, of course, Cameron King busted his knee. So he's out for pretty much the rest of the season. I think round 24 is when he's due back, which under the new system is only 25 rounds, I believe. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I don't know if that's an overall negative when you've got <laughs> Kaiser coming back. And, yeah. and sorry, Cam King, but yeah, <laughs> it has not been a great season. And, and a lot of these players that you thought would kick on just Didn't. just have not. Oh, well, he immortalised himself with that punch-in-the-face thing, I suppose. All right, jumping into the ISP. Wenty going down. Dragons, 40. Wenty, 22. But tries to... I think Greg's scored in every game since he's come back from that injury in round 15. Um, so Greg, Lalesi Well picking up another try. Stromquist, Aono and Cassis with three from four from the boot from Davis. Um, Dragons just too much for, for Wenty. And that almost puts the um, death knell on Wenty's postseason charge. They're now two and a half games back from Blacktown, so they need to pretty much win out and have results go their way. Uh, so, unfortunately, <clears throat> another sort of wasted season for the Magpies. No other thoughts on this? Okay. <laughs> Jumping into the flag, St. George 12, Eels 44. Try scorers, Sean Kepi, Hayes Dunstar. Uh, Brown picks up another try, and, and we'll get on to him shortly. Hafu uh, with two, Akafalau one, Dresler one, Sapienza uh, a try, and six from eight off the boot for Sapienza. Uh, do yourself a favour, go have a look at the highlights. Yeah, some good um, stuff there. Plen- plenty of stuff happening there, and also the run from um, from your man, Stefano. Yeah, the big, the big man intercept on his try line, takes the intercept from the dummy half, and races 85 metres downfield, doesn't force the pass, 
takes the tackle, sets up the try for the next um, next play of the ball. Like I couldn't believe it. I, thought, I think it was about uh, the 20 metre line. You think he's going to get tackled, then all of a sudden he just sort of, I don't know what it is, he sort of puts on a big goose step or something and yeah, just got, breezes got past the defender yeah. and makes another 60 metres on top of it. Like I couldn't believe yeah. the run. When I heard no, that um, Stefano took an intercept, I went, oh, oh yeah, probably. It's definitely one to jot down that little black book for the um, you know the future. Very um, Very special athlete, that boy. He's a big one. I think um, another one I was sort of stuck out in this highlights was um, John Fenua at fullback. Mm-hmm. He's he injured his leg, I think, early, last year over the preseason. That sounds right, yeah. Yeah, he's come back and um, sort of settled back into the fullback role, and now he's absolutely killing it. He's set up about three tries, I think it was, and, um, you know, yeah, he's running couple, hard. There's a couple of big line sport. breaks as well. Yeah, yeah just, um, you, you know, really good. For Johnny, he's only still only nineteen, so he's still got another year left in um in flag. But you know, that, that's another possibility for a fullback. He's also played on the wing last year, um, for all of the season. So he's got a he's got a pretty robust frame. So I'd say he could comfortably play like one of the five where you need him if you give him a bit of chance to develop in any position. My knock on Johnny was always, and as you know, Ham was always he's got an error in him, uh, but he's 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 tidied it up in recent times, and <clears throat> and he's um. When, when you get that part of his game cleaned up, he's a very strong player because he, he runs the ball powerfully. He can finish off. You know, he's not a, a great playmaking fullback uh, per se, but he can finish off backline movement really cleanly. So having him firing is really good for the team, especially considering that their spine isn't as strong as it could be because of uh, Reed's promotion to senior grade football. <clears throat> and as we'll um, get to later with um, Dylan, but also... Uh, Jamin Salmon. So you've got three of your four first-choice spine out and he's had to step up. Yeah, and then also, um, even after that, Joe Taipari was yeah, exactly. another one. Yeah, exactly. So. You have a, a first-choice half. So he's been asked to shoulder a load and he's doing it. So good on him. All right, and other results over the weekend. The women's went down 56 to nil against the Mounties and that wraps up their season uh, with the women's competition going into finals. Uh, from next week, so uh, unfortunately no wins on the board this season, but um, I guess having one one team in the competition is a step forward before we start uh, moving to uh, to more high-level women's competition later this year with, of course, the inaugural women's competition with the four teams trying out, and uh, from uh, years going forward, I'm sure they'll add more, so I'm sure Parramatta will like to get around that, and that's the first step in the right direction to have a women's team under our broad uh, leaf of juniors. Um, so fingers crossed they'll be back next year, and hopefully they can they can pick up their maiden win. Yeah. Um. When does the main women's competition start? Um. It was meant to be after Origin, so I don't have a specific date for you off off the top of my head, but I assume it'll be in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> um, all right, jumping into Ron Massey Cup, Wenty 26 to the hour 6, which sees Wenty right on top of that competition. Gaffer, Aonga, Nichols and Henry. Bo Henry picking up another um, try, 4 from 4 off the boot. And also um, Nikok Ladnikov scored for the Owls, who's one of our 20s boys. Yes, that's right. And then jumping into the Shield, Owls 10, Wenty 44. Uh, which sees Wenty move. Uh, I think they're still in third position in the shield, um, but the Owls running in seventh. So both in the uh, lineup for finals berths. All right, well, let's jump into some news. First, the under 20s uh, origin. Uh, read money. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. I don't know if you got anybody had a chance to to watch it, but uh, if you didn't, you missed out on a vintage performance by Reed Marnie, Marnie really stamping his authority <laughs> on that game. Sorry, that was a bit, um, that was a bit of a mouthful over myself there. <laughs> yep, tripping over myself. Um, but Reed Marnie with two try assists from Dummy Hearth, you could really see the tempo from Queensland. Uh, really. Uh, Move right up as soon as he came on, uh, darting from dummy half, making line breaks, uh, creating uh, eyes up um, from our dummy half. Uh, hopefully we'll see him a bit more in first grade, but a great first starting from uh, Reed Marnie in that competition. Yeah, I thought he was the... Um, I only saw the first half, but when I, what I saw of him, he was the best dummy half on the field by far. 
He just lifted Queensland up. Yeah, uh, strong kicking still games. Me scratch my head that you would pick him on the bench. Yeah, hard. Like, it's Queensland. They pick Queensland teams. Yeah, I mean it worked for them because they got the victory, and it was their, that's their first victory in the twenties. Am I right? Yep, that's right. In eight, yeah. eight years. Yeah, starting starting back when um mm. was it Kayser? Was he the original captain for the the under twenties? No, um, or does it go back further than that? I think it goes back further. I think Gutherson. I have a feeling Clinton Gutherson was. Yeah, the, um, it might have been Guffer. You're right. Yeah. I feel like it started in 2011. But anyway, Kayser so was, yeah, around Kayser that. was a captain that. when Matt Matty Lodge had that uh, strapping that had the writing on it, didn't he? Am I right yep, and that? then yeah, uh, yep, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so a little bit of sidetrack there, but uh, yeah, good, good to see uh, Reed having a strong showing in the twenties, and I mean maybe the the bench role for him in that game is a, a portent for things this year in the NRL where he can start off the bench for the Eels given if given the opportunity. So knock on. And also Oregon Kafusi was in action for New South Wales, but unfortunately they seemed a bit rudderless uh, in the halves department. So. Um, Maybe that's not the great. Uh, a little bit of an indictment on uh, Shane, uh, not Shane Flanagan, Kyle Flanagan, um, who is supposedly to be the next big thing in the halves. Really didn't uh, step up in that environment. Um, jumping into the under 16s, which had five eels or junior eels in action: Matthew Komalafi, Trey Mooney, William Penasini, Peter Tateo, and Caleb Tohi. Uh, of course, New South Wales coming away with the under 16s win, uh, which I think. Uh, that takes the Blues winning every competition uh, in the origin bar the under-20s. And, of course, uh, New South Wales winning their third consecutive year, 28-14, and William Penasini scoring a try. Your favourite man there, Bertie? Yep. I don't even know what his first name is, but yep. Viliami <laughs> <laughs> uh, or William, depending on if they've um, Eng- Englishized his name. But, uh, I don't even know what started this whole thing. He's my favourite player. I can't remember. What happened? He's got penis in his name, so... Yeah. Oh. <laughs> penis to Rhino. Oh, no, he's big, big, strong centre, for those who don't know. Um, yeah. He's just as liable to end up as a back rower, I think um, me and him have discussed in the past. He's got like a big, powerful build. But yeah, he's, he's not, he's not aff- that quick. He can get, yeah, he can get he, past the defender. Quick enough, but not that quick. Yeah. But he's just, just strong, like... Um, I, know, I know it might be a bit of a bad comparison to how his career ended up but seeing some games he just reminded me of Jacob Loco he just you know any player that come to tackle him you just throw him off whether it be an outside back or a forward like they, just, they couldn't and I think couldn't tackle I him. think because he's not quite as much as an athletic freak as Loco he's not as rough a footballer by like by contrast he's a better rounder footballer so it's a, a good thing um, <clears throat> Komalafi uh, we've talked about him plenty he's been one of our favourite players from the Harold Matthews this year uh, big athletic winger uh, got a real good touch for the game, actually. He, he plays with a lot more nuance than you expect for a 16-year-old winger. And then you got the um, powerful trio of forwards with Trey Mooney, the under-16s captain for the Eels, uh, Peter Tatio and Caleb Toey. So they're all very well-deserving of their selections. It was a shame um, not more of them could have gone on the board because uh, only Kamalafi got... No, only Penasini got over, sorry. I was surprised that Kamalafi... Well, we would have had our fullback, um, but unfortunately breaking his leg in that grand yeah, final. Yeah, yeah. Mm. All right, well, let's jump into the next item, which is uh, apparently we're expecting to play our first match out of the Western Sydney Stadium on Easter Monday in the 2019 season. Uh, target Targeted to be completed in April, so they'll be running it pretty fine uh, to get it all finished. And then to uh, play the, the first match there is that traditional Easter Monday clash. Um, expecting to get uh, a full house there, which is the 30,000-seat stadium, including um, all the upgraded uh, um, commercial sort of boxes and whatever else. So fingers crossed that uh, the latest pictures from the stadium looking good, um, but a lot of work still to go yet, so fingers crossed they can uh, get some more dry weather and get that that done before Easter Monday next year. Yeah, I was down there the other week. Um, If you do happen to go down there, you can actually go up on the seventh level of the league club car park and you can sort of see in looks really good it's absolutely massive the stadium the pictures definitely don't do it justice that steepest incline in the world need a seat in um all right jumping into the injured list cameron king doing his knee uh, he had about a uh, couple of rolls of strapping put on it during the game didn't see him through uh, back round 24, Kirasami Abaa got himself injured, foot 
injury back round 20. Josh Hoffman carrying a shoulder injury, meant to be returning round 20. Will Smith with his hammy, round 21 expected back. Ray Stone with a knee injury, round 21 assumed back. Manu Mayu out for the season. Tony Williams out for the season. And Bo Scott out for the season, unfortunately. And, of course, Bo Scott has retired, so he won't be back next year. Jesus, get, um, get a hardback cover on that list, mate. That's a novel at this point in time. <laughs> Yes, well, I know everybody, well, especially Panthers fans, like to decry their um their injury woes. Uh, but of course, the Eels being only second to Manly for having the most amount of players played this season. So uh, again, our injury crises this year have been pretty immense um, at, across all sorts of positions, whether it be hooker, half, fullback. Um, centre, a, a lot of core positions. Second rower. <laughs> it's it's not an excuse for how erratic our play style has been, but when you're struggling for consistency, having that inconsistency in your playing roster every week certainly doesn't help. Yes, very true. All right, well let's jump into the previews. Uh, as said just before, women's uh, finished up for the season, uh, which will go into the final series, which is uh, four teams make it through, and then they'll be playing to come out to a grand final shortly. Uh, jumping into the shield, Wenty in third position, taking on Penrith Brothers at uh, in eleventh position at 11:15 p.m. at Hickey's Park Rugby League Complex, 1:15 p.m. Sunday, July 22nd. Hickey's Park is just out on the Northern Road. You turn uh, left, and there's just down in there. There's some baseball fields near it. I drive past there to take my daughter to swimming every weekend. So, know the field well. Um, so, if you want to come out and enjoy some shield. On the weekend, that's the place to go. Played a couple of games there. Dog shit in the field, by the way. So, yeah, looking forward to it. <laughs> what, you or actual dog shit? <laughs> no. Actually, oh, actually, come on. It was, uh, I was in the middle of the field. I was like, what's that smell? And I see actually dog shit. I'm like, yep, this ground is looked after well. Well, unfortunately, with that ground, there's a there's a walking area just not back far from it, and um, there's lots of dog owners that take their walks along the trail, and they must let them off the leash around the park, unfortunately. So, <laughs> um, poor Bertie copped it. <laughs> as long as he didn't get tackled into it, Bertie. Uh, no, I was on the sideline. I was a winger then. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, and then uh, also for the Owls, we'll be in action, taking on the Rams in fourth position, Owls in seventh, Sunday, July 22nd, 3pm at Hammondville Oval. Ron Massey Cup, Penrith Brothers in 11th position, taking on Wentworthville in 1st position, Sunday, July 22, at 3pm at the Hickey's Rugby League Complex, so right after the sh- Wenty in the Shield. And then jumping into the flag, Sharks in 3rd position, taking on Eels in 6th position at Southern Cross Stadium, 3.55pm, Friday, July 20th. Uh, so on Friday, uh, the flag will be in um, action. That's and a... uh, they've got some changes to their, their halves, so... I was going to say, this is a really important clash for the Eels because they're two points outside the top four and uh, they're, they're chasing, obviously, that you know second bite of the cherry at the end of the season. And they, um, they played the Sharks once before the season and absolutely trounced them, if I recall correctly. Yeah, I was going to say... I remember yeah, it was a flogging. So they'll be without Dylan Brown, which will be a big loss, but Sapienza's shown that he can get the job done you know, in most given weeks. And they'll be relying on a couple of big forwards and a dynamic backline to get him over one of the other competition heavyweights. Even in the back line, we're missing um, Noel Okafalau, Hayes Dunster. That's the thing with the Twins. They don't release injuries, so you don't, you don't know what's no, going you, on you with them. You don't know what's going on. So Jaden Field jumps into the halves with Todd Sapienza. Stefano Utui-Kamano is also in action in the front row. Uh, there are a couple of players to keep your eyes on. Um, yeah, as as um, Forty was just saying, this is really important. Uh, where I think one win out of the top four, but of course we've got Roosters in front of us who are one point ahead of us, and then Sharks are two wins clear of us. So it's really important that we get a win here um, to try and cement that top uh, four spot for the end it, of the season. It is interesting, though, if you look at the table, we have comfortably the second best four and against in the competition. Um, we're just yeah, we're that'll be, really help us. We just need the wins on the board. We're behind the Newcastle Knights. We're at plus two fifteen or roughly, and I think we're like we're nearly one twenty. So obviously a bit of a gap between us and the Knights, but we've lost a lot more games than the Knights. So we've we're in a very strong team when we win. It's just a matter of you know keeping those wins wins getting strong together. And we've touched on it previously, where we were coming up against top four teams, and we only just narrowly lost. I think it was yeah, three games run, in a row. That so. run of games we lost by two points or four. 
All right, we'll jump into the ISP. Wenty in 11th position, taking on the Jets in 3rd position. 3pm Ringrose Park, Sunday, July 22nd. I swear we played the Jets like two weeks ago. Oh, it might have been three weeks ago. Yeah, they were on... It was on telly. Um, yeah. We got smashed, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we got smashed by a lot of teams this year in the ISP, but uh, you're right. I think it was like two or three weeks ago for that game, so that's like almost minimum turnaround. Yeah, I feel like... That's ridiculous. Um, yeah, well, it's not nothing out of the uh, what's regular in the NRL level. So yeah, I guess, round sixteen, yeah, no played them. Wow, well, uh, a couple of names to to keep your eye on: Birdie, your man, Jack Morris, uh, in the seventeen jersey. Uh, he's made a return, um, but of course, Dylan Brown getting his starting gig at number seven in the Wentworthville team. And, of course, others that you've been uh, keeping an eye on this year, Greg Lalesiwau uh, in uh, the wing position, Oregon Cavusi in the second row position are also uh, players to keep your eye on for future um, Eels players coming through. Uh, anybody else you wanted to touch on? This this team, is it looks like it's just been savaged by injury. Yeah, it's... Well, how many injuries do we have in the first grade team? Plus, um, the four will drop down. I'm assuming it'll be uh, Salmon and... Evans I'm and Hungy at yeah, least. Convinces those three, and then depending on if Reed gets a shot off the bench, your choice of uh, who would you say would drop out? I wouldn't I wouldn't drop David Gower. So either someone like Varve drops out of the team and you re, um, rotate a uh, bench by the starting, or oof, I don't know, who, who would you drop? Tepai? I mean, Takarang could probably be dropped on form. Yeah, there's, play in the starting <laughs> there's a few of them you could drop. Um, I think personally it would be... Um, Someone that's probably not going to be here next year. So, you know, either a Vave or a Gower. Um, who else isn't going to be here next year? That's it, I think, isn't it? Well, Terrapo not at the moment. Tungi's not, of course, but he's on the extended bench. So, yeah, I think, you know, at this stage of the season, you've got to look towards um, putting players that will be in there next year to give them more playing time and... You know, whatever it's worth, but I think the main thing is getting Reed in there and um, getting him some minutes in first grade. So, you know, whoever whoever's not going to be here next year, that's who I'd drop. <laughs> All right, well, let's jump into the first grade. Um, Eels in 16th, taking on Dogs in 14th position. Uh, what's been deemed as the Spoon Bowl, expected to be the lowest turnout in some <laughs> years, according to the Sydney Morning Herald this morning. Uh, good luck if you're getting out there on Thursday, 7.50pm, uh, the unfriendly time slot. Uh, also, it's freezing cold at the moment in Western Sydney, so <laughs> um, if you're getting out there, uh, good luck to you, and um, you deserve a little bit more than what they've been dishing up this year on the field. Uh, team list, Clint Gutherson, captain at fullback, Bevan French, George Jennings on the wings, Michael Jennings, Jared Hayne in the centres, Corey Norman, Mitch Moses, halves, Alvaro Vave in the starting run to... Uh, Sorry, starting front row. Kaiser Pritchard returns to the starting number nine position with Murata Niakore, Brad Takarangi starting second rowers and Nathan Brown in the lock position. On the interchange bench, Tep Maroa, Tim Manor as the co-captain, David Gow and Penny Terrapo with, of course, on the extended bench, Kane Evans, Jamin Salmon, Sui Matangi and Reid Marnie. Early mail that Reid Marnie will come back into the team at the expense of one of those players that we listed before. <laughs> So, uh, Bulldogs team list, uh, depleted Bulldogs after losing, um, of course, two players to mid-season uh, transfers, um, but Will Hopawati actually has been quite good at fullback since he's gone back there, and he was last year, uh, playing in the one jersey on the wings, Ramiah Smith and Brett Morris, Josh Morris and Kerrod Holland in the centres, uh, Lachlan Lewis and Jeremy Marshall King in the halves, Aidan Tolman and David Clemmer starting props with Michael Leiker. Um, starting at number nine in the second row, Josh Jackson and Reese Martin with Adam Elliott in the lock position. And then on the interchange bench, Farmanu Brown, Clay Priest. Uh, I'm just going to go for the last name here, Ogden and Fualalo. And then on the extended bench, Greg Eastwood, Matthew Frawley, Francis Tualau and John Olive. Um, so no changes from last week. Was it last week? Who did the Bull- no, the Bulldogs played the Rabbitohs last week. It was the week before where Reese Martin scored. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think it was the most single points in a losing team. Yeah. Something like he scored 28 points or something. <laughs> the, um, the only player to ever score 28 points and lose in a game. 
individual points. That's that's yeah. incredible. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, so we've had the wood over the Bulldogs in the last couple of clashes, four from our last five, but of course the loss coming in our earlier season game uh, with a Clint Gutherson error gifting Bulldogs uh, the win and also a Michael Jennings contentious put-down try-no-try decision. Uh, but moving on from that, uh, they've got a... Just look at those team lists. We're, we're, we're favourite in this, and the reason I think We've Paper Tigers... We've been favourite in our last few games. Uh, uh, Paper Tigers, I, I assume. Uh, if you're just looking at that, that that team list, our one through seven is, is quite good. Um, yeah. We are we are underperforming for our for our uh, for for the team that we're trotting out. Uh, I think that's as politely as I can put it. Um, and if you're looking at the Bulldog squad, they've sort of shipped off a lot. Uh, I don't know how they still have salary cap pressure with with the squad that they're putting up. Uh, well, um, me. isn't Eastwood supposed to be on eight hundred grand or something? But Eastwood, Brett Morris, and Josh Morris are off off contract at the end of the year. But they're still meant to be having cap trouble for the next year or two. It makes um, you wonder what, so some those, what some of those deals are. Like guys like David Clemmer, what what are they on then? If that's the case, like who's Josh Jackson, David Clemmer, who's taking the cap space? I know that they're paying money to other clubs elsewhere with like the Aaron Woods deal and whatnot. But Kieran Foran, we know what's he on. Like how? Apparently, it was close to like eight hundred thousand to a million. But um, how's and, how's it know, structured? Knowing the the dogs, like. Is he on, you know, four five hundred in his first year, and then it's back ended massively? Because, like you said, all those guys you've listed are off contract. How you got that, like that many cap? Well, Clemmer yeah, well, came I guess, in. Thankfully, it's not a, it's not an issue for us. Is all I can say. <laughs> well, Clemmer came in, and he before he made his debut, he was on three hundred k a year. So he probably would, he's probably on double that now. He's probably signed his second contract. More than so. double that, it would be close to a million. You'd think yeah. with all of his rep bonuses and whatever yeah. else. Yeah, it's just. Uh... And, I, and I, what about the Hopawati deal? Because when he signed with them, didn't we have to fork out some money because of uh, lost? Because uh, we agreed. No, with, he's on. He's on his second deal. He's on oh, his yeah. second deal for Doc. Yeah. Who knows? We we should win this, but um, it's a flip of a coin at the moment, depending on which Eels team trots out. The one against Dragons, we win easily. Uh, the one against the Knights, uh, we lose in heartbreaking the, fashion once again. The one, knowing this this year's competition, the one against the Dragons is you know top two and arguably the Premiership favourites. If we played like we know this team can play, this is a year that you know you'd be cleaning up, and that's the most frustrating part of this year. Um, we we talked about uh, the potential for Reed Marnie coming in. It's good to see Kaiser Pritchard back this week. He was in a nice run of form uh, prior to was it did the rupture his testicle? Was that what happened in the end? Or was it his groin? Because it was never really explained. It was his groin, but no, nobody went into detail, so I'm not quite sure. Because <laughs> uh, so, somewhere I read, I read something about a testicle, and I wasn't, I wasn't sure. So maybe you're maybe on a different site, forty. That's... Yeah, I am, yeah. <laughs> but um, he was out for quite some time. He's played a couple of weeks back at ISP, but he was out for a good two months. Am I right in saying yeah, that? Yeah, about yeah. So it was pretty, pretty serious injury. Um, the other most interesting thing for me is that Murata continues to hold his place in the starting team over Tepo. Uh, last week was fair enough because it was Tepai's first game in three weeks after that suspension from the first game against the Knights for that dumb shoulder charge on Chris Hyington. But this week is um, Tepai's second game back and he's still, at least on paper, holding his spot down over the other young back row on the I team. I think it might be because Nierquare is playing exclusively on the edge. Whereas Tep, I noticed when he came against the Knights, a little more versatile, in the yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so... He's a bigger body nice... as well, you know, Morata compared to Tep. So maybe that's probably it. Yeah, it's possibility. I think Tep's got him in. Tep's got him in height, but Morata's probably a little bit like solidly built, given these a uh, couple inches more compact. But uh, yeah, it's. I mean, there's not much change to the team this week, so you just got to hope that they'll find some sort of consistency. But honestly, all they have um, to do is they just hold the ball, hold the oh, fucking yeah. ball, just hold, hold the ball, like, and then when the you hold things. the ball. Give it to Jared Hain. And then, you know, if you're not giving it to Jared Hain, get it to Bevan French. <laughs> well, that that was one of the few positives to come out of that Newcastle loss is that we finally remembered how to utilise Bevan somewhat. He um, still had that dumb moment where he took a kick return too close to the sideline and got bundled in the touch. But we gave him a bit of space to utilise his speed and it paid some dividends. He set up that try for Mitch Moses. Yep. And he uh, nearly scored at half time with that... Uh, telegraphed that, kick play from the scrum, which was, should have gone to the video ref because Ken Seago blatantly interfered with Bevan, um, Bevan's closest hand to the ball, but disregarding that. That's and the then thing. He nearly, 
Sorry, go ahead. No, it pisses me off because it's such an obvious play. Bevan is probably, you know, outside of Adokar and um, who else is fast? I don't really know. James Roberts. Roberts. Yeah, outside of those two, no one's going to catch Bev on a kick, on a uh, run like that. Do it more often. The worst that's going to happen is they're going to get the ball and they're going to have to ruck it out from 10 metres out. Um, but the, yeah. the thing is, if you start doing it, it forces the opposition winger to drop back 10, 15 metres from the scrum, and which then, then opens, up, opens up a run play when you yeah. want to mix it up. Oh, just, uh, and then Bev, Bev nearly stole the game at the end, but he couldn't quite pull Chris Ninu uh, back in that uh, final mm. against the Dogs where he got back into the field of play. He was just touching the, um, the touching goal slash dead ball line. So that was a damn shame to not nearly steal defeat, uh, steal victory from the jaws of defeat. So unfortunately, that game is another case of what could have been because as you saw those stats that Hamish listed back in the match review for the Knights, you know, we, we were great. So we just got to try and take the best parts of that game into the dogs because they're, they're so beatable. Like, look at that team. I know we're struggling, but look at that team the dogs put out. They should be beaten. I think... Um you know, Hamish mentioned it in the review podcast and in the review part of the podcast was um, Mitchell Pierce's kicking game. The dogs don't have that, so we won't be um, pinned back as often. I don't, I don't believe if our defence and we sort of keep them within their own half, which we've actually been doing for uh, for the past two games, um, you know, if we pin them in their, in their zone, their kicks aren't very good. They've, you know, that's where we have need to be taken to them. You know, amongst all the riffraff that the dogs have trotted out this week for their team, which will probably beat us when I say riffraff, you know, the one that, the one name that I'm glad isn't there is Frawley, because even though he's a shit player, every game, once a game, we fall for his stupid dummy. Yep. His <laughs> dumbass dummy that fools no one. It's like a, a shitty Blake Austin. And then <clears throat> and then he always makes a line break and then he nearly scores. If we're, if we're worried about making too many errors, just kick early. Kick on third, kick on fourth. You yeah, know? but that, like if... that would require smart football, Bert, yeah. and we're not playing smart football. We played smart football once this season again, and that was against the Dragons for 72 minutes, and we kicked their asses. And then we forgot about smart football for eight minutes, and we lost the game. Mitchell Moses and Corey Norman have it in them to play very good smart football. Last year, they played smart football for the entirety of the season. They kicked to the corners. They ran the ball down the short side when the opportunity presented itself. And they played very clinical football. And we dominated the competition. This year, the entire team's forgotten about it, but especially those two. Corey Norman runs the line to the line on last and doesn't do anything. Mitchell Moses drops balls or kicks out in the full. Like, I don't know what's going on with these two, but they need to get their heads screwed on. Especially with um, Dylan Brown and... Jamin Salmon playing ISP at 18 and 19. There might be a few nervous first-grade halves at the Parramatta Eels next year. Well, Norman's going anyway, so the only one that should be nervous is Moses because I said it earlier a couple of days ago that I can see both of them leaving at the end of their contract. So, Well, you know, yeah, Mo- Moses, I mean, he was outstanding last year, but he's very much, you know, proven. You're only as good as your last game in that, you know, that cliche saying, it, well, this entire season's been a train wreck for those two, so... Yeah, you know, they'd see their, their <clears throat> uh, what's it called? Uh, CV's looking pretty ordinary at the moment. And with uh, Jamin Salmon playing an entire season in ISP and now Dylan Brown getting a look in, the club's starting to, you know, kick those gears into action for the next generation of playmakers. Now, can I just, just before we get into our previews, let's just have a quick look. I went out and um, plotted on my Excel spreadsheet um, our ins and outs over the coming season. Uh, so in the halves, we've got three contracted plus the utility and Will Smith. Uh, Mitch Moses, Nor- Corey Norman's deals ending in 2019. Um, does that give you an indication of where the club sort of looks at these two players? I think so. I think, um, you know, Moses signing at the start, everyone was lambasting it and everything. And um, then he started playing really well. But I think it is telling that he was only signed for uh, two and a half seasons when we have shown... Even with Norman, he was signed to a three-year deal, I think, under Brad. Um, so, you know, if we want them here, um, Blake Ferguson was signed to a three-year deal. Um, Junior Paulo, Junior four, Paulo, four, four years. Nathan Brown, three years, yep. Yep, so, you know, two, two and a half seasons, that half season was obviously for um, the mid-season transfer. But two years, to me, that doesn't strike as a, I'm confident you're going to be here past your current contract. Looking, looking at it now, looking at at the time, probably it was. Oh, you're going to be here long term. 
but with what's happened um, and who's coming it was a, through. It was a, a prudent sort of take a bet both ways sort of deal. You had the chance to lock him up this year in advance if he was the guy that you thought he was. And maybe the, the club still thinks he is. I don't know. It's hard to tell of how scrappy everything's being. Maybe Brad Arthur still has huge amounts of confidence in Moses. But uh, if he does flop next year, you're out. You don't have anything else to worry about. So it's one of our better moves, I think, uh, as far as our marquee signings have gone. We've sort of flopped in recent years under Brad. He's done very good in the mid-range and the cheap range. But we've taken on some bad contracts like Kieran Foran and Anthony Watmo, but the Mitchell Moses contract and even the Corey Norman extension both give the club a relatively safe out if they do um, struggle next year, which means you can you know try and um, roll the dice on your young guys like Salmon or Brown or and bring in better supporting pieces around them or go to the market and find someone that is a proven option. All right, now I just wanted to jump in. So we've got 30-odd contract of this season, of course, you know, your top 30, um, but my out, by my count, and this is on the proviso that one Sean Lane uh, has actually been signed. That hasn't been confirmed yet by the club. And also on the proviso that a couple of blokes are uh, upgraded from uh, um, the lower tier deals, being Ray Stone, Jamin Salmon, and of course Reid Marnie uh, from development contracts to first grade contracts for next year. We've got 22, so that's eight positions left to fill. Um, That's of course not taking into account any players that haven't uh, extended for next year or have been signed next year. So blocks like Jared Hayne, George Jennings aren't on that list. So that's eight positions for next year. And then if you look into 2020, we only have eight contracted players. Um, and that's that's ones that have been announced. And then you're moving into 2021, we've got three. And 2022, we've got one, which is Junior Paulo. So, um, so we don't have any back-ended contracts. We don't have any salary cap issues. Um if whoever's this in, year, sorry, I was going to say whoever's in charge of eels. Hopefully, it's Brad because you can turn the ship around. They're going to have a lot of flexibility with their cap, aren't they? Yeah, even if it's not Brad, you know, um, I think that they'll be um, they'll have a lot of cap space. I'll have a a good crop of juniors coming through. I, I believe are a good crop of juniors coming through. Um, as odd as it sounds, uh, I think the you know looking for, towards the first grade in the next. Um, from 2020 onwards, even 2019 onwards, uh, we're in a pretty good cap position that, um, you know, they can either go out and spend, um, they can fill up however many they want with junior players. Uh, so they can you can spend that little bit extra on if you want to bring in a marquee in whatever position you don't think you have or, um, you know, if there's a good enough junior um, coming through, you've got, you've got that position already covered. So I think, yeah, definitely... Um, as odd as it sounds, we are, I think, in, in a good position cap-wise. And that's why I hope next year, obviously I hope we sign a couple more good players, whether it's a, a standout prop like Marty Tapau or the like. But I hope that instead of spreading our top 30 out with a, a lot of sort of quote-unquote proven backups, which weren't so proven, unfortunately, this year, um, we take the, the flyer on a few more young guys. Yep. So... <clears throat> We've already talked about a few as far as Jamin Salmon and Reed Marnie and whatnot, but you know maybe squeezing in a Stefano Tuikamanu or a Dylan Brown into the, you know last, or Oregon Kafusi exactly or a Hayes Dunster if you're looking for a bit of more depth in the backs, even a Johnny Fanua whoever stands out you know the most in the preseason, but taking a flyer on a couple more young kids so when things you know not go bad, but even if it's just an injury and it opens the way rather than a horrific run of losses like we've had. Sometimes it's better to throw a kid into the deep and see if he can swim. Which, you know, for us, if we had those two or three guys that were maybe like... It's kind of hard this year because some of those kids aren't quite of the age where they were ready to be thrown in the first grade. Um, Oregon, you know, is playing in the ISP and he's doing a good job. He's also being found wanting in some regards. And that's perfectly fine because he's a 19-year-old prop or a back roll these days. We're not entirely sure because he's been named on the edge the last couple of weeks. But, yeah, having that flexibility to throw a young kid in there is what I hope the club looks to. Because you you need guys that are, are proven backups. You know, your David Gower, who's been fantastic this year, that kind of, you know, senior backup, awesome. But guys like Vave, who's been better in recent weeks, but has struggled on the whole, and Matangi, um, you know, those sort of guys aren't giving us what we need. And I'd rather have a, a kid develop for the next year or the next game 
and be that much better because of the experience they've had. All right, well, let's wrap up that talk and jump into predictions, Bertie. Yeah, uh, if we hold on to the ball, like complete it like high 80s, I reckon we are going to win big, like 30 plus. Like I said that last week, <laughs> if we held on, we would have won 30 plus. But Well, you're not wrong. Yeah. It's just, surely the God, we can't lose to the dogs <laughs> twice. I said this last week, we can't be like Manly and lose tonight. <laughs> I tweeted that out and it turns out we are like Manly. But, um, you know, I'm tipping we're going to win big. And Gufferson is going to have, he's going to redeem himself from that howler. That, you know, I mean, it's best to kick it dead, but he missed it. But, yeah, I'm going for like a 42-4 to four score line. First try scorer. Ooh. First try is Morata. Get on it. I love it. Get on it. Responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> Forty. Perfectly. Um, I'm a dumbass, so I'm going to tip the Eels to win. Uh, let's go twenty-six to ten. First try scorer. Oh, wanna. First try scorer. Uh, I'm struggling here, guys. Let's give it to Jared. He's going to back up from the Knights game. Oh, you bastard! Forgot him. <laughs> Can I change my tip? <laughs> Sure. Yeah, we'll all go Jared Hayne. How about that? First, last, and the first, second, and third try scorer. Oh, okay. I wouldn't mind the old Jared hat trick. There we go. Ham. Well, if you uh, if you want the Jared hat trick, I think you'll uh, enjoy my prediction because I'm going to start with the first try scorer, and that's going to be Jared Hayne. And here's a little tip for you: don't gamble because gambling's bad and it's an addiction, and there's a lot of problems. And you know, love your family. Don't gamble. Um, He's going to break the all-time try scoring in a single game for the Parramatta Eels. He's going to get six. Six. He's going to get six. He holds the record. Nathan Lyon with the record. Nathan. The goat. The goat. What am I talking about? Jamie. <laughs> um, yeah, so Haynes is going to, he's going to get six. I'm tipping, him, I'm tipping him for a big one. Um, and Parramatta will win. Six tries, so that's 24 points. Nice. I reckon we'll score 34 points to the Dogs 2. Alright, well, um, I think you're all fucking mad. Um. <laughs> of course, did you hear my prediction? We, we have, of to, course we I have to be to be supporting this mob at this point of the season. Uh, ANZ Stadium, Thursday night, middle of winter. Uh, you can't go within 10 metres of the edge or otherwise you're going to be thrown into touch. Uh, expect French to go over the sideline once at least. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, dogs to win one to twelve. Um, oh, yep. nah, I've, you're I've gone. got no faith you're in this gone. team anymore. Oh, you are the biggest. Get him off. You get are him the biggest out. loser. <laughs> you were the weakest link. Goodbye. I'm sorry, Hamish. Good. You are the weakest link. So that's 17 games, three wins, 14 losses. Uh, sorry for being a bit jaded at this point. Nah. Um, I'm, voting, but, I'm voting you off the island. They've, they've broken him, voice. He's finally been broken. It's happened. Hamish, Hamish, can you see us winning another game for the rest of the season? We'll jag, we'll jag an unexpected win against one of the top four teams or something <laughs> like that. What, the Storm? It'll, it'll, it'll be a win against that. the Storm down in Melbourne or some stupid thing like that. <laughs> um, no, I just can't see it. We just we play down to our position. We make too many errors. Uh, we shoot ourselves in the foot repeatedly. Uh, we gift oppositions. You're talking about uh, Norman and, and um, Moses kicking to the corners, pinning them down in their 20. Uh, but even if we do that, we'll give away some stupid frigging um, penalty and let them out up to the to the 40 40 slash 50 metre mark. Um, but if we are to have any joy, um, we're having to run at old Blue Eyes um, himself um, over on the... Is Kerrit Holland on... Which side of the, yeah, the Irish the right. boys plays? Yeah, on the right. Um, and of course that'll be up against Hayne. Played on the left last week. Yeah. So I think that's where we're going to have any... Um, if we're going to have any uh, luck against the Bulldogs, it'll be down that our left there right with Ramai Smith, who's played all right um, for a speaking winger. Of, um, speaking of luck, guess who's the referee this week? Oh, please tell me. Perinara. It's fucking Perinara. Yep. Is it Perinara? Yep. Uh, can yep. I change my tip? <laughs> <laughs> uh, seriously, I, I don't know how he got a job. Are we running out of referees? Like, God, surely there's another Sutton brother out there. You know, he can be the referee. All right, uh, well, that wraps it up. Uh, me putting the mockers on everything. Um, one last little bit of news. P- 
Parramatta Leagues Club are seeking a new electrician, so any sparkies out there listening to this and you're looking for a new job, Parramatta Leagues might be able to get free tickets to the game or something. Who knows? Or, or a free uh, game of bowling. Or meat trays. Or was it the last board? That was a last No, that was a board before. Oh. <laughs> Too soon? <laughs> and the one, one before, before that was the Chinese, so... Yeah, All right, well, let's wrap this up. Uh, Birdie, where can we catch you? Yeah, uh, Twitter on um, Bevan Heaven once, And uh, so the World Cup's over. Got nothing else to talk about. And yeah, that's it for me. Nothing else to talk about. Moving on to you. Well, it's, it's about 11 days till training camp. Oh, you, you had a bit of a blow up about uh, your running back <laughs> oh, not being yeah. in the... Oh, the 40, 43 you know? NFL insiders and they rated a guy that hasn't played it down in yeah, Saquon they, Barkley. They've given the guy the Billy Slater Award playing two out of three good seasons and they've given him a guy who's never played a game um, he's apparently he's so good please what do they got against Zeke what do they have against Ezekiel Elliott it, just, it pissed me off lucky you know lucky you know, cool calm collected I didn't break anything but oh it just does my head in. oh yeah over to you 40 yeah I'm 40 20 you can catch me and my mates at the Cumberland Fro at the Cumberland and then you can also catch us on Twitter at EelsTCT. Uh, as far as my NFL considerations are, I've got my Hall of Fame safety, Earl Thomas, demanding to be extended or traded. So that's fun stuff. While the um, our ex-cornerback, Richard Sherman, is running his mouth about how rough things are for the sea, um, Seahawks. So good times there for the um, ex-Legion of Boom. Hooray. Uh, aside from that, um, yeah, what are we in? We've got baseball happening, so that's a thing. It's not a sport. Bit... Baseball, fuck. It's not a sport. Yeah. Yeah, it's like what it is, is it, what it, hey, don't put shit on cricket. What oh. it is is a back, it's a background noise to put on at work on the tablet and have something going for four hours while I'm you know slugging away on my twelve hours. All right, uh, well, talking about baseball, the Cardinals running all right in uh, the Central Division, uh, running through the middle, middle, so not doing that great, but uh, at least they're in a winning percentage at the moment. Um, fingers crossed for my cousin, who's a massive Cardinals fan. Uh, they can keep on winning. Um, do you have the, the MLB pass? Me? No. Yeah. Oh, okay. Too easy. Well, that's something to get <laughs> on the back of, and that's something that the, the NRL should be doing. Um, but I guess that's only for overseas markets because all the the rights holders within the country, it's pretty different. Um, yeah, they've, they've got blackouts with that sort of stuff. But yes, it's the game pass model for MLB, NFL, and NBA is something that the NRL should desperately try and emulate for its digital platform. Yeah, but with those ones, um, of course, they're only available overseas um, because the the uh, home market um, it's split yeah, between like four or five and local CBS, uh, broadcasters, and, and yeah, yeah, it's crazy uh, how it's all divvied up. Um, anyway, jumping on to you, I think Twitter had a broadcast right for for one of Twitter NFL players. Uh, Yahoo, uh, Yahoo did it. Sorry, yeah. my bad. Twitter, no, Twitter had, has bought NFL games in the past, but Yahoo's yeah. also bought in. So. Um, all right, sorry, Ham. Uh, yeah, finally. Um, <laughs> I guess it's the same plug as every week. It's um, at Ham Sandwich Twenty Two. I got a few followers this week, so you know, actually spelling it out for people has been you know, boost my numbers there, boost my um, following count. So yeah, get on that. And um, I haven't seen a band this week because I've been a bit sick. But um, one of my favourite bands, one of my favourite all-time Sydney bands, is releasing an album next week. Fantastic Furniture. So yeah, watch, watch out for that one. Making some good garage rock. All right, and I'll wrap it up with at Para Podcast on Twitter. So like that, follow whatever you got to do, and then on Facebook forward slash Para Podcast. And if you can um, re, um, what's it on Facebook? Yeah, what share. do you call it? You share, share. That's the one. <laughs> Share the posts and that that because our viewers on that page have only been down to a couple of hundred where they were up to a couple of thousand earlier. So I think it's uh, from what Mal tells me on on um, Discord and he's one of the people that's in the the online marketing and whatever else business. The more likes shares you get, the more people it reaches. So feel free to do that and um, you know what's that YouTube saying? Like, subscribe, smash that smash like, that like smash button. Button. Smash yeah. the like button. <laughs> Smash that button. Um, all right, well, let's wrap that up there. Fingers crossed the boys can get over the line in all grades this weekend. Um, but a uh, little bit depressed. I've got the winter blues at the moment, especially <laughs> with uh, my weeks being ruined by uh, terrible 
Eels performances at the moment. So, fingers crossed we can get over the line. Make Hamish a bit more happy. Right, Head please, up, bless my stomach well. I'm having Mexican for dinner. Yeah, hopefully my car's there tomorrow. <laughs> Cheers. Bye.